0: hello and welcome this is remnant ministries i'm your teacher daniel tate we're studying the book of revelation and the title of this series is a new look now in our last program we looked at what those closest to the actual time period and the people of the seven churches in asia minor had to say we looked at church fathers polycarp ignatius Pius, clement marcion And not one of these men acknowledged these churches as being in existence, and none of them included Revelation in their catalog or collection of New Testament books. Uh, The other person we looked at was uh, Martin Luther. He didn't see any validity in the book of Revelation. Nothing to teach from, no doctrine, no eschatology. He didn't see himself as some are teaching today that uh, the seven churches are historical time periods. He didn't see himself as being uh, one of these time periods. Now I want to continue with our historical look. and We're going to look at uh, the Emperor Constantine in 330 AD. He moved the capital from uh, Rome to Byzantium, Constantinople, and in doing so desired to have Christian scriptures, both uh, Old and New Testaments and the Greek, for use in the city's uh, churches. Now, he commissioned the church historian Eusebius for the task, and he ordered 50 copies. Now, Eusebius is reluctant to include Revelation, but Constantine attached high importance to it. Now, why was Eusebius reluctant? Well, here's a quote from him. Based on the fact of the early church fathers' writings, they did not know which John wrote it. He also admitted, it exceeds, and this is a quote from Eusebius, it exceeds my capacity. And also conceals certain wonderful intimation in each particular, pretty wordy, things I don't understand. I don't reject it, but I wonder the more I cannot comprehend it. What a statement. Now in 363 AD, the Council of Laodicea was held. It was attended by 32 bishops of Asia and among them Bishop of Ephesus. Now, this council framed a list of New Testament sacred books, but the revelation of John was not one of them. Now, even today, even with as many Bible studies as there are out there, and as many pastors and Bible teachers that are teaching Revelation, there's still controversy, and even the Eastern Orthodox Church, even up to this day, doesn't read it. Now, there are several reasons why this book is misunderstood and has been, Over the past 2,000 years. One, the book is prophetic from chapters 1 to 22. Now you hear a lot of Bible teachers say when you get to chapter 4 John's called to come up here and they say that's the rapture of the church. But Jesus said write in a book and send it to these seven churches. Now the book consists of 22 chapters not 4. Nobody as far as I'm concerned And we're going to look at the Apostle Paul Specifically and I'm going to get into him He never wrote a book to any church Whether it be the church to the, the, uh, to the Ephesians A letter to the Ephesians or Colossians Or Romans And he didn't say now stop at chapter 2 Because you know Chapters three, four, five, and 6 are for somebody else He never does that So why do we do it here The other is the definitions of words And one of them is church We interpret this word, Bible teachers interpret this word as being, and many people see it as a brick building with a steeple, or it's, this is the Christian Gentile church, and we're going to get into that as well, and the other reason is time period. They are placing Revelation in two different time periods, and tell me where it says that. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at all of these points. The other one is the main focus or scope of the book this is where uh, interpretation really falls down. And again, we're going to get into all of these things as we go along in our study. And I'm going to let the text speak for itself. Now let's continue with our historical look at the church. Only Let's ask this question. Is this the Gentile Christian church in the past or historical time periods? Let's look at the Apostle Paul. So let's go back and retrace The Apostle Paul's steps from the time of his conversion. Of course, everyone knows his conversion on the road to Damascus. The Lord calls a man, a disciple named Ananias, to go speak to Saul in Acts chapter 9 and verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Ananias, Go, for he, Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. That's Paul's commission. An interesting side note is in verse 17, Ananias is talking to Saul, and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say Paul did a thing, except that God had chose him, the Lord Jesus chose him, and now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no repentance, there's no work whatsoever, but the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not until chapter uh, 22 and verse 16 that Paul, in his own defense to the Jewish believers, that he was washed of his sin. So there was a confession of sin by Paul. Now, from there, he goes on to proclaim Jesus is the Son of God, and then there's a period of time in his life sent to Asia. Some think it's 14, 15 years. Now, let's remember the book of Acts is an historical account of the church. It's not doctrine. It's not theology. It's just an account, again, an historical account, the establishment of the church and the fulfilling of Paul's commission. Now, in, uh, in Acts uh, chapter 26, verse 19, he stands before King Agrippa. He's fulfilled his commission to kings. And in Acts chapter 28, and verses 23 to 30, he fulfills his commission to the Jews. He quotes from Isaiah here, verse 26, go to this people and say you will keep on hearing but will not understand and you will keep on seeing but you will not perceive for the heart of this people has become dull and with their ears they scarcely hear and they have closed their eyes otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and i would heal them therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of god has been sent to the gentiles they will also listen. And that's exactly what he does. He goes to the Gentile. Seems like every time he writes a letter, his epistles to the churches, he qualifies himself as an apostle. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 7, But on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel, Paul, to the uncircumcised Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. In Romans 11, and verse 13, But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle of Gentiles. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a bondservant of Christ, called an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. In verse 5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Move on down to uh, verse 11, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. The point I'm trying to make here is no one else has been given this ministry to the Gentile like Paul has. It's a complete ministry. By the way, in uh, verse 11 of Second Timothy, chapter 1, verse 11. That word appointed is the word ordained. He's ordained by Christ Jesus himself. Now, Second Timothy is written at the end. It's probably the last book that Paul wrote uh, before he was martyred. Now, chapter 4 of Second Timothy, in verse 7, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. I have finished the course. Everything that the Lord Jesus gave him to do, he did. That word finished is teleo, it's to make an end of, or to accomplish, to complete something, complete. In other words, you can't add to it and you can't take away from it. And not only did Paul finish his ministry in teaching and preaching, evangelizing as a missionary, as a prophet, as a pastor in healings and tongues, he excelled in all the gifts, he also, This is in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Not only in teaching and preaching and all the speaking gifts, but also bodily, five times he was beaten 39, he was whipped 39 times, shipwrecked, uh, starved, many afflictions. No other apostle experienced what Paul did, and no other uh, apostle excelled like Paul did. Peter, he converted, as far as we know, one Gentile, and that's Cornelius. His ministry, Peter, James, all to the Jews, Paul, the Gentile. I'm stressing this for a reason. I know I'm jumping around, but I can't, I can't help it. It's, it's a lot of things to put together to make my case. And back in uh, 2 Timothy again, this is the last book before he's martyred in chapter four and verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through the proclamation might be fully, fully, I'm going to stress, fully accomplished. And there's a reason why I'm stressing these words and you'll see in a minute, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. Now, fully accomplished. I can't even pronounce the word in Greek, but enduring a fullness, a completion, a fulfilling. Again, nothing to be added, nothing to be taken away. Without the apostle Paul, the church would not exist. He's, um, the Lord used him to establish the church. We have doctrine, we have eschatology, first and second Thessalonians. We have Romans for doctrine, um, as far as church matters, elders, pastors, uh, requirements, uh, duties, 1 and 2 Timothy. What else does the church need? Now, in Ephesians, in chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul says, From whom the whole body, and he's already covered spiritual gifts. It's for the maturing of the body, for the work of service. He says, From whom... The whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. Every believer has a spiritual and or spiritual gifts to be used within the body causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now, the church, of course, the book of Ephesians, um, we're getting to the more mature Christian. The, the church is to build up itself in love, you know, when you put all the books together, there's nothing left out. Um, he deals with church problems in First Corinthians and Second Corinthians. He deals with falling away uh, to another gospel, and he addresses that in Galatians. He deals with uh, Gentile eschatology um, in First Thessalonians in chapter 13 through eighteen. He covers every aspect of the church. Every every. Dealings, counseling, um, spiritual gifts, how they work, how they operate, uh, use them within the body. All for the building up and the maturing of the body so it can reproduce itself internally, growth internally, spiritual growth within each individual believer, but also to multiply believers. The gift of evangelism, everything the church needs, Paul And through the power of the Holy Spirit that Christ Jesus has given him has completed it. It's done. Nothing left. So, having said all that, we move ahead 30 years later and the year is 96 AD. The uh, uh, Apostle John, if it is the Apostle John, and I covered that already, whether it's John the Apostle or John the Presbyter or John the Elder who uh, writes a revelation, in some ways it's it's not worth uh, debating. But now... We have the revelation, the revelation of Christ Jesus, and what does he say? Write a letter to the churches. What else has to be written? Paul has accomplished, he's completed the work. So who is Jesus writing to? Now we have a direct communication. Yes, John's the go-between, but basically Jesus himself is addressing these churches. So what else needs to be said? Or is this first century Christian Gentile church he's speaking to? Let me leave you with this thought. Or are they a totally different group of believers in a different time period or dispensation? That's what I'm going to be and we're going to be looking at and I'm going to show in this study. This is Daniel Tate and Remnant Ministries. If you want to listen to these teachings again, I'm at dantate.blogspot.com. If you want to correspond. I'm at, uh, my email address is hour at gmail.com. See you next week.